Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast, or welcome back if you have been listening for a while. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. Today's episode is a very fun one. It's featuring a fellow female entrepreneur with, seriously, you guys, badass energy, and this is 100% an episode you need to listen to if you are very career-driven and or might want to pursue an entrepreneurial journey down the line, but definitely her mindset is very applicable across the board in any career field you want to be in, and so definitely a good one to take note of. A little bit about Sabrina. She started her career in the fashion industry, working sales for large brands and showrooms. In the industry, she particularly noticed how brands were both ripping their customers off with low-quality materials and offshore and unethical manufacturing plants and damaging the environment with inefficient and wasteful standard manufacturing processes. When her mother went to the doctor with a headache, she was diagnosed with six brain aneurysms and given a 3% chance of survival. Sabrina realized there was no more. She watched as her mother took this time of adversity as a moment to find gratitude. When her mother survived, Sabrina decided to start software the next day. After spending eight months creating the exclusive fabric and deals already in place with dozens of vendors, retailers, and other outlets, including the iconic Bloomingdale's, Tracy Anderson Method, Rumble, and more, the brand has experienced unexpected success at a very early stage. Software is set to potentially make a lasting impact on the sustainable apparel industry while inspiring female founders and empowering U.S.-based businesses and environmentally and ethically conscious consumers. As always, I dive into a variety of topics with Sabrina. So of course, a bit about her business, the wholesale process, her mindset when it came to figuring everything out, and then also a bit of dating. You guys know I love to tie in some real life topics that are honestly very applicable to all of us, right? I mean, it's not just our career that we balance. We also have a social life with friends. We are also dating or in a relationship. So I always love to pick their brain about how they do it all. And so with that being said, let's welcome Sabrina Zohar to the podcast. Well, Sabrina, I am excited to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me today. Um, I would love to start with just like some background. Like, can we dive back into like your childhood and maybe later on we'll see some parallels that might have, you know, carried over? Totally. Thank you for having me. Um, So my name is Sabrina. I was born in South Florida. Um, Both of my parents came um, to America and then they moved to Florida to have me. And I, all my life was, thought I was going to be a model. So fashion was always in my wheelhouse. Like I would do little dress up shows. And then I moved into the modeling as I got a little bit older and then into acting. So when I was 19, I moved to New York and thought like, okay, I'm going to pursue an acting career. And I went to like five different acting schools. I dropped out of college more times than I think I could even take a breath in a day. Like I just, it wasn't for me. And it definitely talk about parallelisms as I grew up. It was like, I never identified with going to school. I didn't identify with that traditional 
kind of structure. Um, and so then, uh, I would say like 23, I kind of decided, okay, acting wasn't for me. This wasn't going to happen. So I went to uh, fashion school and started working for Dolce Vita. And that is when I started realizing like, I actually do love the fashion industry and it's something that I wanted to pursue. And it's interesting when you look at it, hindsight, how everything starts to kind of add up to where you are now. Um, and that kind of brought me into like, and I'm so grateful now that I had my acting experience and I had my fashion background because I was able to utilize all of that as an entrepreneur now. When you look back, is there ever a time, you know how there are times in life when we're younger, we're like, oh, we, I, I wish I, I went this path or I wish I did something different. Now that you've kind of seen, you're, you're seeing how some of like the puzzle like pieces fit together. Do you feel like those things had to happen in order for you to be like, you know, basically saying without those things, you could not have built your company or you could not be precisely where you're at right now? Totally. I think there's always that, like I'm 32. So there's always that. I wish I'd started younger. I wish when I was 22, I had figured all this out, but like, that wasn't my path. That just wasn't the trajectory I was on. Um, but honestly, without all the ups and downs with all, without all of the heartbreaks along the way and the disappointments, like, so when I went to acting school, I never envisioned, I always thought like I'd be a business owner, maybe one day or do my own thing. I never in a million years, if you told me at 20 that I was going to own software at 32, I would have said, you're just insane. That's never going to happen. But going to the, going to school and learning how to talk to people, learning how to improv, learning how to be in front of a, an audience, be on camera, be comfortable sharing my story and sharing about me that has all translated over the years. And I think it took time for that to happen. And then same in fashion. Like, I don't think personally, I don't think if I had started software without my background of all of the companies that I worked for that were terrible and all of the fuck ups I saw the bosses make, I don't think I would be where I was at now. I would probably be a company that closed after a year. So I think, yeah, I try to look at every experience as like, this is a building block in the learning and it all makes sense and adds up. Um, and it's just about being, I think, having that self-awareness at a younger age, as opposed to waiting until you're a little older to do that um, so that you can start to connect the dots. You mentioned that your parents came over here. So I'm assuming they're first gen, correct? First generation. Okay. So likewise, my parents came from Vietnam. They came to the US. So I, I love that already. I'm curious, like in your upbringing, were there any kind of like, for example, like you mentioned you were into acting and just kind of like a non-conventional path, so to speak, right? Was that difficult? And I'm I'm curious to know if that was, what are some like looking back now for any women, any girls listening right now that might struggle with that as well, like the culture gap or the generational gap? I mean, especially for our social media savvy, you know, everything is super fast paced. Like our generation is so different regardless of culture. Um, any tips for those who struggle with like the parents not completely emotionally supporting what they want to do, or even just simply agreeing and then saying, okay, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. You should be going more this way, or you should be going something not just safe, but like makes more sense financially, like things like that. Anything that you experience that might be helpful? Totally. I mean, my, my dad was born in Morocco and raised in Israel. So I have a very strict Israeli father. And my mom was born in Egypt and raised in France. My mom, Thank God she was very supportive just all my life. It was always, you know, you can do whatever you want. And I was lucky because my brother chose filmmaking. So he start, he's oldest. He started the non-traditional and then my sister went non-traditional and then me. So it was like, by the time they got to me, but yeah, I mean, it was up until even when I started the company, my dad would say like, I, you know, when I was an actor, it was get a real fucking job. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. This is never going to work. And it's like, 
I think at the end of the day, what you have to do is like, one, you have to also remember, like, it's just your parents. At the end of the day, it is two people, whether it's one or two, what, however the dynamic is, that it's, it's two opinions that don't agree with you. If your gut and your heart and soul tells you that that is where you belong and that is what you should be doing, you don't need to listen to any of that. As long as, listen, if you're under their roof and financially contingent to them and tied, well, then that's when you need to figure out your hustle and getting out of that. And like, that's what I did when I was 19. I was like, all right, great. I, I can't be under your roof to do this and I need to go and create my own. But even when I started software, there were so many naysayers. There were so many people that thought this is never going to work and this is stupid and it's not going to happen. But my gut believed it. Whereas when I was acting and my dad came to me after a few years and was like, this isn't working. I told you. I had to, to, to take some time to talk to myself to be like, all right, girl, is this out of ego that you want to keep doing this? Or are you doing this because you love it? Are you digging your heels in right now because you're like, no, I'm going to make it? Or is it, you know what, maybe they're right. Maybe there is something else that I could be doing. Maybe there is another path. And I think, so here's, everyone in LA is going to kill me for saying this, but here's why I don't really believe in manifesting. And I'll tell you, because I think, I think it's one thing to be very clear about your goals and what you want out of life. I want an amazing supportive partner, somebody who's going to be there for me unconditionally. I want a career that fulfills me, something that makes me feel like I'm giving back. Of course, you want to be very clear about that. But I think when you become so honed in on, I have to get this one thing, I have to do this. If I was so hell bent on, I'm going to be an actor and I'm never going to do anything other than that, I actually don't know where I would be right now. But I allowed the universe and whatever, God, whoever you believe in, whatever bigger power than you to determine that, you know, that just wasn't the path for me, but I'm so glad I went through that because it brought me to where I am. So I think if you have people in your surroundings that are negative against what you're doing, it's something that you just need to have a conversation with yourself. And then it's a boundary that you put up of, okay, well, you know what, then I'm not going to talk to that person about what I'm doing because it's not helping my growth. Right. I agree with you about boundaries. I mean, I don't know about your experience, but obviously I think when, you know, your parents are from a different culture and it's, you know, I feel like it's very Americanized to say I'm setting boundaries for X, Y, Z. And some, you know, my parents were like, what do you mean boundaries? Like we're your parents, yeah. you know, but it is so true. Cause again, I think like I was able to learn from hearing other people say, yeah, I experienced that too. Like you're not alone. And a lot of girls have messaged me saying like, whoa, I'm really glad that you're touching on the cultural difference because some of them really want to pursue a certain vision for their own life. and might not even be career related. It could just even be like dating as well, where it's just someone that yeah. they feel in their gut is more in alignment with them, but maybe the child has a different view on life than the parent. And I think just sometimes it can be difficult when you don't hear that there's a community out there that also feels the same way from certain cultural differences. So I'm glad you. Oh um, yeah. Like I come from a, like, if you don't marry a Jewish man, you're, I'm not coming to your yeah. wedding. Like I came from very confined, like very strict confines, even mm -hmm. tattoos were a big right. thing. And it's like, what I had to accept was I can't change who my dad is. Right. I can't change my parents. I can't, I wish I could. I, of course, we all wish that we could undo a lot of the traumas that we've been through right. and all of those things. But what I can do is set the precedence of what that relationship is going to look like. I'd rather like to be very candid. Like I'm not speaking to my dad right now because we had a falling mm -hmm. out. And it's one of those things where it's like, I could either live in a fallacy and live a life that doesn't align with yeah. me and do what makes him feel mm -hmm. good, like be a lawyer, be a doctor, go get a real job, mm -hmm. or I can follow my path and my, my passions and say, 
you know what, you're my family and you're my parent. And if you want to support me one day, you will, but I'm not going to have an inauthentic fake relationship. With right. You. Oh my gosh. I have to say, I appreciate you saying that. I know that must be like difficult because I know even for me, I've mentioned it on the show where I have a difficult relationship with my mom because I'm really close to my dad. My mom more so just has a different view on what women should be. Again, I have Vietnamese heritage. And so, you know, Asian women in general, were just never as alpha, so to speak, outspoken, yeah. right? And especially again, gener- like cultures outside of America, just I would say generally are like that, especially where they're yeah. coming to America. It's a whole different playing field. And so it is sometimes difficult like acknowledging like, yeah, I, I tried to avoid talking to them. I swear I'm not a bad person, but it's just like my boundaries. So that is, you know, it is what it is. But I feel like at the end of the day, when, as you get older, you have to recognize like, I'm doing this for my life, for my future, my happiness. And um, you can't please everyone, but hopefully, you know, as years evolve that some people come around to it and that might be just a better time for that relationship. Totally. It's like you, you have one life. Why are we going to live for somebody else? Mm-hmm. And realistically speaking, like, it's just, you know, you can't choose your parents and it sucks. And what I also have to remind myself is like, it's not coming from malice. It's not like they're, they're not doing this because they're like, I want to see you miserable. They're doing it because they love you and they want the best for you. They don't want to see you struggle. And we also have to be cognizant that a lot of these careers that are nowadays of like social media, influencers, whatever the case may be, even podcasting, our parents have no idea what that is. (laughs) They're looking at this and they're like, what do you mean you post a photo and you make money? This is absurd. Right. So it's being also understanding of like, you know, it's, it's, it's like nowadays everyone's so ready to cancel people for saying mm-hmm. one thing they don't like. And it's mm-hmm. like, let's look at where is it coming from? If you have some more compassion and understanding around it, yeah. it'll at least not to say that it'll make the relationship better. It might not. Like, like I said, I'm not talking to my dad right now, right. but what it does is it softens the blow a little bit to where I can yeah. re- remove myself and not hold anything against him and not hold the anger and just say, just now is not the right time. I'm not, I don't have I the bandwidth. And that. if it's not a reciprocal relationship where we can talk like my mom is my best fucking friend we talk all the time and she's in therapy and I'm in therapy and she'll call me sometimes and she's like you know I thought about this from when you were younger like I can I can we talk about this I apologize and I want to take ownership and wow you need to have both parties willing to do that and if it's not it's okay just Mm -hmm. know that like you know hopefully the stars will align and if not it's finding the peace within yourself to say I'm going to live the life for me and I really hope that they can can at the very least support me as who I am, mm-hmm. even if that means you don't agree with it. As most of you have probably heard for a while now, I've been consistently drinking Magic Mind because not only does it taste so good, especially if you love a hint of matcha flavor, but this stuff helps me get into my flow state and I always feel a stronger sense of focus, which makes sense since it is a productivity drink. While I love coffee and I do make it every morning, when it comes to preparing for my workflow or wanting something to sip on before I get into my work, I always choose Magic Mind because like I said, it helps me get into my flow state and it makes me feel more focused and productive. The best part is that it is all natural and I'm going to share with you a few key facts and ingredients. Number one, it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus. For me, like I said, I drink it more for just the pleasure of making coffee. 
So this one is definitely a better alternative if you prefer more of an energy-focused drink. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And lastly, it is all natural ingredients including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been considering it for a while, I highly, highly recommend you give this a try. I drink this every single day, no joke, and it comes in a box of 15 and I like it so much sometimes I drink two in a day, but disclaimer, it is not recommended. They do recommend one, but I just truly love it so much. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's FULFILL, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Right. The internal piece is key. So I really, I really love that you said that. I want to dive into software. So the business that you've built, I certainly have read about some of it. And I just want to kind of start, like, let's start back with the story. I know there's a big story to it. Um, why did you yeah. start it? How did it start? And then we'll get into the actual business aspects. <laughs> so software. So I was working in fashion. This was, let's bring it back to 2016. Mm-hmm. So I was working for a showroom and I was fucking miserable I hated it like the fashion like that's my one thing I'm like to all the girls that want to do that life be careful what you wish for it is very taxing it is pays nothing you're worked to the bone for kind of nothing right and not to poo-poo on it completely but like you want to choose a company you believe right and I was miserable and I started I was it was to the point where like I had to mentally prep myself to get out of bed Mm -hmm. and I was didn't want to open my eyes and I I started working out. I cut smoking. I was on three kinds of meds. I went paleo. Like I changed my entire life in that regard. Cause I was, I was heavier and I just, I wasn't myself anymore. Right. And I got out of a toxic relate, not a toxic relationship, but a one that wasn't for me. I should, I should say that. He was, he was a nice man. Love it reframing it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I should, this poor guy, the one that came after was toxic. But I got out of a, a relationship that wasn't for me. And I just came to the realization. Like my mom always says, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you'll make a change. And I was there. And when I got into health and wellness, that's when I realized like, wow, my life is just, it's better. I feel better. I'm, I'm looking better. And so I started just looking for jobs in that field mm-hmm. and didn't ever think again, owning my own business. I thought, yeah, one day, right. okay. I come from a family. My dad's an entrepreneur, but okay. maybe. Right. And then it was March 20 or April, 2017. And my mom called me and she's like, oh, you know, I have a headache. And the ocean's yelling at me. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, mom. And I was like, you know what? Famous last word. It's all in your head. And I was right because she went to the doctor and they found six brain aneurysms that took over the top half of her vessel. And they connected um, to the actual vessel. So there was nothing they could do essentially. And when I told my job, they said it was job abandonment because I I didn't have to rush home. So I walked out and I said, go fuck yourself. Went home, stayed with my mom for three months and saw how you know, the doctors kind of told her like, we have no idea what we're going to do. We don't know how this is going to happen. Like we've never seen this before. She had 12 specialists around the United States trying to figure out her case and no one had ever seen this before. Really? And yeah. And they said, they're like, we're going to give you three to 5% chance that you're going to live, let alone they're like, we think neck down paralysis, blindness, potentially losing like, your mobility. And they're like, death is also the other alternative. And, you know, that not only did she have the aneurysm, she had two corroded arteries on the neck. So if they, every time they tried to go and do anything through the leg, one of those could break off, cause a stroke, and she would have died instantly. Mm-hmm. So it was very scary. And I started watching The Secret with her at that time. And I remember she was, right after we had that big meeting, she was crying and she was so upset. And I just told her mom, you know what, if I've learned anything from this movie, 
it doesn't matter how it's going to happen. You're going to be okay. That's what we need to remember. Mm. It's just, it's going to be okay. We don't need to figure out how. And she adopted that mindset and she then would not let go of it. It was just, I'm going to be fine. And honestly, our entire family couldn't fathom anything but that. So we just kept repeating, no, she's fine. She's, she's fine. Mm -hmm. She's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And in the interim, when she was in and out of the hospital, she was complaining that she's like, man, I just can't find anything comfortable. Like my leggings are tight on my stomach. She's like very sensitive to that. And so I then talk about, you know, stars aligning. I started working for an athleisure company. Mm -hmm. That was the only job I could get. At the time, I was either overqualified or underqualified for every job. And I just signed this new lease for my apartment in Brooklyn. It was this two-floor duplex. I got a deal because of the trains being shut down. And it was this whole thing. And I'm ready. And I'm going out. I'm getting clients. And my mom has her surgery in like a month. And I'm doing it. And the woman closes the company, embezzles the money, and says, sorry, your check's going to bounce. Um, that's it. We're done. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like, talk about rock bottom. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I have this wow. new apartment I just got. I have no idea. I don't have that many savings. I mean, you live in New York. How much money do you right. have? And my mom is sick. And I'm like, I have no idea. So her investor called me in and said, come up with a new concept. And I was like, okay. So I came up with software with my sister. Right. And we just were like, what's missing in the market? Wait, just for a tangent. So you said investor of yeah. that company you were working at. Okay, okay. Company, her company. Got it. So he said, I'll hire you. So I, this was before I even thought this was going to be, I just thought they were just going to be a new subcategory of this existing company right. and I would just run it. Right. Okay. Right. Take a salary and call it a day. Wow. So I, I had this whole pitch deck and I came up with it and he was like, you know what? Never mind. I don't want to do it. I spent enough money. I'm out. I was like, okay. And my friend, um, her brother was an investor and she was like, you know, maybe you should talk to him. Maybe he can invest in the company and, and keep it alive. So I showed him my pitch deck and he was like, I don't understand. Why don't we just do this? You have everything organized. You have the, you are in sales. You have that. I know manufacturing. Let's just do this. And I was like, that is insane. I will never, what? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm talking about imposter syndrome. And I kind of just like, it ruminated though. It kept sitting in my head. Mm -hmm. And then my mom went in for her final surgery. And, you know, I had given her a couple of the pieces of the clothing from that line. And it was, it was a similar fabric, but it shed like crazy mm -hmm. to the point where her doctor told her she wasn't allowed to wear it in anymore. Wow. And so I was like, okay, there's got to be something here. There's got to be something to where it could be made locally. Sustainability is really important and it could be high quality, but it doesn't have to be $400 for a hoodie. This is insane. Mm -hmm. And she went in for her final surgery and I got a photo of her an hour later, like this in the hospital bed. And they created a coil that worked and she has no side effects. Like it was I, like, a, it makes me choked up thinking about mm -hmm. it. And I called my partner that day and I was like, let's start it. Let's do it. And we, we incorporated the company the next day. Wow. Wow. So yeah, it took us a year to get hit the market because I had to figure out the fabric. I wanted to make sure that I had to come up with a custom weave and that took a long time and coming up with the branding. Like I did everything myself. Right. Um, and now, you know, fast forward almost four years later through COVID, COVID, I started tie dyeing everything, wow. kept the business alive, bought my partner out. And now it's just me running this, running the ship. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. I think the first one <laughs> is like, what what was going through your mind? Like, for example, like, I feel like one of the top things people could think of is, okay, like, what am I doing? Like, how do I pay myself? Like, like, like what, you know what I mean? Cause suddenly you're like, there's one thing to start a business while you're working and you, you have a source of yeah. income. Um, there's another when there's like, it's your scenario was so different, right? Like you were working for somebody and then like that girl dipped and that was a whole, you know, another piece to it. And then you're working with an investor where I'm sure that's like your first experience ever, like dealing yeah. with an investor, understanding how, you know, the numbers work, how you get paid, like how, how was that for you? And how did you kind of solve it as you went through the process of figuring out how you actually, 
you know, create a sustainable life for yourself over the next two years as you're building a new business that you have no idea, you know, will be a hit or miss or not? Honestly, I know this is probably what nobody wants to hear. I have no fucking idea what I was doing. I had no idea. I was taking pasta, throwing it on the wall. And I'm like, I hope this sticks. And I didn't have a business plan. I didn't, I dropped out of college. To me, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember my old partner, I was freaking out one day and he was like, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been homeless? No, of course not. And he's like, have you ever not had food? No, of course not. And he's like, because you know why? The universe gives you what you need when you need it. Just trust in the process and just believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And everything along the way, like when one thing I remember, like when I needed rent money and all of a sudden I get a DM from a brand and it's the exact amount of money that I needed that they were willing to sponsor me to pay. And it was, then I got a job working for this, like a coffee company and it was Mm part-time. I hustled my ass off. I worked full-time for the first year. Mm -hmm. And then, then 2019, I worked about 40 hours a week. So it was almost full-time and running the business. And then when COVID hit, honestly, I thought I was gonna have to close the business. And I was like, that's it. And then I, I pivoted. And that's the number one thing about if you want to be a small business owner, because I didn't, I didn't take an investor. I took a loan from my family. I paid them back. I had a payment plan and I was giving it to them back on every sale that would come in. They get a percentage so that I could chop away at it. And I just, I knew I didn't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen and I wanted to be able to have full control of the company. And I didn't want any of anyone down my neck. Um, and I also knew that this was going to be a sacrifice and starting this business meant say goodbye to your dinners out with your friends, mm-hmm. say goodbye to going on your trip, say goodbye to buying all of the things that you like. And I was okay with that because what it meant was I have autonomy, I have freedom, and I get to grow something that it means so much to me from the ground up by myself. So I think it's, you know, I wouldn't, I would never, I have friends that do, that are like, oh, I'm quitting my job. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you just started your company like a month ago. What do you mean you're quitting your job? You don't have any runway. You don't have a clientele. You need to prove your concept right. and have it to where, you know, I don't want to hear people say, I don't have time. It's like, I, yes, you do. Yeah. We all have the time when you want to find the time. Yeah. If your business demands your full-time attention, then that means the money should be also requiring your full-time attention. Right. But there's also that understanding of, you're not going to make the salary you were making at your cushy job. You're never going to have that. You're not going to have your benefits. You're not going to have your community. You're not going to have all of that. It's a very, very lonely world Mm -hmm. because you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I would say for anybody that's looking to start a business, if you're going to have a business partner, one thing I've learned, have an exit plan, make sure that the contract is signed that, you know, if you don't work together, because it's like a relationship, this is like having a prenuptial agreement think of the worst case scenario, it's going to be worse than that. So always prep for that because finding a business partner is finding your relationship. It's finding your core, mm-hmm. your, your, your match. And if you let's say down the road, like mine, he just didn't want to do it anymore. He was done. And I was putting all this work wow. in. He was 50%. And I said, no, we're done. I bought him out and we moved on with life. And I think it's just being able to pivot quickly, you know, not just hold on to the one thing, because when you're, when you're bootstrapping and you're, you're constantly looking to see, well, where is, where's the money? Where can I, it's like mining for gold. Mm -hmm. And so you have to figure out where you're going to put your resources and your energy and be able to move quickly. Otherwise you will, if you are so hell bent and staying in your lane, you're never going to succeed. And at least in bootstrap, if you get an investor, that's a whole different story. Right. For the first couple of years, where were your sales primarily coming from? Because obviously like, for example, you know, I I heard you had some, you got into some retail stores and I definitely want to dive into that as well as like being direct to consumer e-commerce at that time. So let's just say 2017. I mean, that was definitely a great time to be in e-commerce and direct to consumer. What was the process like just figuring out how to get your first few sales? (laughs) So yeah, I mean, online D2C 
if you don't have money to invest in your direct to consumer, you know, it, you, like my, my dad used to say, he's like, just put a website. And I'm like, how do you, how do you get people to your website? Right. So if you're not savvy, which at the time, like I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't utilize Instagram. I didn't utilize ads. Like we didn't know we didn't have the money. Right. We were literally our first production run cost us like 150,000. I only had 120. Wow. So I had to make sales to pay off that. So let alone was I able to build anything. So we, we use like a Wix.com, mm -hmm. like my ex had made a website for us. And we just built this little website for like 500 bucks mm -hmm. that we put our personal money in. We used all my friends as models and we just threw up some photos, yeah. but really where the bulk of our sales came from was like, you know, when I was in wholesale, I didn't have the contacts. And that's something I want to clarify. It's not like I came in with a book of all these incredible vendors and it was like, oh, here's all these amazing people. Right. No, what I knew was how to reach out to people. Yes. And so I started going on LinkedIn and I started just going down rabbit holes on Instagram and I was reaching out to everyone. I used an app called Rocket Reach. And if you put a LinkedIn um, profile in there, it gives you all of their emails oh. that work and the verified ones. So I would find all the buyers and then you know the name. So you're like, okay, this is the format of the buyer's right. email. I was hitting it hard. I didn't pay for our lookbook or line sheet because all it was my friends modeling and my friend doing the photos wow. and they were phenomenal. I utilized my network. I tapped in hard and I still do. Like even now my friends model for me because we just don't have the resources that we need yet to be able to do the full on, you know, shoots. But I, I, I started with wholesale because yeah. wholesale one, if you go after specialty stores, you know, we're a tactile brand. The minute they felt it, they could see, okay, there's something here. This is something very special. It's unique. It's different. But secondly, they believed in my story. They believed in me and they want to sell. they have to sell your product. If you go to, we, we had Bloomingdale's and those, they don't need you. Right. They you're, they're doing you a favor by bringing you right. in. You go to a specialty store where they're giving you a $3,000 order. They have to sell that because they're not going to be able to pay rent the next month if they don't sell your merchandise. Right. So I think it was, that was what I focused on was going after specialty stores because then people bought my product, then they would go on the website. Oh, there's five other colors I can choose from. And then honestly, D2C was, when COVID hit, I thought I was gonna have to close because I was like, all my wholesale was gone. D2C was non-existent. And I just really hit the pavement with influencers and started gifting out and doing the, the tie-dye. Mm. And I did custom tie-dye because I really wanted to make sure that we were doing something different. And again, I pivoted. And it's all about the pivot mm -hmm. of being able to be mobile to figure out where the, where that market is. Yeah. You mentioned how you were just basically getting real scrappy at reaching out to buyers. Can you share, I feel like that, that part right there is probably the biggest mystery for most aspiring business owners, entrepreneurs, where they sell a product and eventually want to get into stores. Can you share kind of like that process as well? You know, what were, was it? Early on in the days, you mentioned Bloomingdale's, right? Or like specialty stores, which was like more easy to work with. And was there a different format that was better for, you know, a big store like Bloomingdale's versus, you know, a specialty store? Like what, what did you discover that you might not have learned like in your previous sales and kind of fashion experience? That's a great question because I think that that's, that's a fallacy you hear. People are like, you need to be an Equinox or Nordstrom. Right. Like, no. <laughs> Let me explain how this works. So when you're dealing with a big box brand like that, one, they are so anal retentive about every aspect. So like if you're, you have to, so there's multiple things. There's something called EDI, which is like electronic something, something. And that's pretty much how the big companies talk to the brand. Mm -hmm. So it, let's say you're Bloomingdale's, you come to me, you give me a PO and you're like, all right, it took you, first of all, good luck getting all these buyers to, to, to buy anything from you because it's very difficult because there's a million brands who are trying to get in. 
you have to remember too, these bigger box brands, they have to think called factor. Factoring is your finances. Mm -hmm. They have a hard time bringing in new brands because they don't pay for 90 days a lot Mm -hmm. of the times. So a lot of them aren't going to get you factored because it's like, you know, we don't want to be bothered. It's a new brand. It's too much work. It's a lot. Mm. So let's say you get past that stage and they're like, all right, we're in, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. Then you have EDI. EDI costs a ton of money and you only need that for the big boxes. The small guys, you literally, if I emailed a small specialty store, they'd be like, all right, here's my order. Great. I, I, I make them an invoice. They pay. I ship. Done. I walk out of the door. I got their money. They get my goods. We move on. The big box, you have to do the EDI. Then you have to get barcodes. Barcodes cost a few thousand dollars. Then you have to make custom labels for everything. Then you have to make custom hang tags for everything. Yeah. So what we did, because we didn't need those, we I spent three days with my girlfriend and my mom, my, like my, my friend and my mom, and we had to go through every item, unpack them, attach a barcode label to each and every one, repack them, and then repack the boxes. Because that's how much is involved in like a $5,000 order. It's not worth it. Then you ship it to them. Then if God forbid the label is moved up, if it's not in the middle of the bag, if it's up half an inch and the computer didn't scan it, charge back. Like with Bloomingdale's, we lost like $3,000 on the order because it was charged back at one after another because the wrong tags were on. And it's like, then you're getting, you're like, oh my God, we just lost money on this order. Then you're sitting on the shelf. No one's touching your stuff. You're not paying them marketing dollars. They're not promoting your product. It's just sitting there. Then you get an email sorry, there's no sell through. We're not going to reorder. And you're like, but, but you're not helping. Right. So I would say as a small business, avoid it like the plague. It's not worth it. You're not going to make enough money. You're never going to break even. It's not going to help your brand that much. It's you need to grow the brand. And then those big boxes are going to come to you because you've already grown a brand. Yeah. Like I went to Nordstrom's yesterday to look for something. And I went in their athleisure department and I was like, Vori, beyond yoga, all the big MP nation. I'm like, you have all the generic big box names. You have all the cliche brands that we see everywhere. Mm -hmm. Outdoor voices. I'm like, why do you have like a direct to consumer brand now in wholesale? Because it's safe. Yeah. And they make relationships with those vendors so that they can send the merchandise back. If it doesn't sell, they have deals. They, some of the, a lot of the vendors will pay to be in those stores. So there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Mm. So if you're starting a business, let go of the big ones, let go of that. It's not going to help you. It's not going to do anything. We were in Bloomingdale's. It did nothing for us. Got it. Focus on the specialty stores because they're the ones that are paying you. And they're the ones that are going to talk about your product because it's the business owners telling the consumer. When you were like reaching out to some of the smaller specialty stores, Looking back, did you have better experience like actually doing it in person and actually like bring, you know, because again, your your yeah. product is so like you touch the fabric and you you can tell right away. It's like you kind of more bought into it then versus maybe over an email. Do you have any insight on that experience on what worked better to gain traction to get into those stores? Totally. I mean, there's a reason that in New York, we grew so quickly. I was hitting the pavement. God, I would go to I would literally every single day I got class pass so that I could just go to every studio that existed and I would take my tote and I would go in and be like, Hey, can I talk to the person that's responsible for merch? And I would get their contact and I would talk to them either there. I would email them. Hey, I came for class. I love so-and-so I made it very personal Got it. because not, you know, these people are getting hounded every day. They don't want to hear hi. So-and-so my name is blah, blah. I'd love to sell my product to you. They want to know, Hey, I came by, I paid my money to come take your class. I loved it. Here's my feedback. By the way, are you looking for merch? I'm a local business and I tap into, Hey, it's just me. I'm a female founder. I'm doing this, you know, here's my story. And I become very personal. And I think that's, what's missing a lot of the times is like, you know, how many times you go to a website and you look at the about us, you're like, I'm not connecting with this. Mm -hmm. There's nothing here. Right. You want to give that personal story as to why you started it, what you're doing. So I would definitely say, you know, 
if you're in a community where you can, like in LA, that's what I did. I went to all the studios when I moved here and I started mm. making relationships and friendships and, and growing our brand here. And then, you know, obviously if I don't live in a state, I can't do that. But I think it's just utilizing your network and like taking, fine, you have one day off a week because you work a full-time job. Well, that day should be devoted to going to every boutique in the area and seeing who will give you a chance. Mm. Well, looking back then, what was out of all things, like whether it was the process of like the back and forth, like the, you know, giving them your line sheet or just like getting into the store, what was the biggest obstacle and your biggest advice with wholesale just across the board? The biggest obstacle is because we're a, we're a product that on paper, everybody's doing, everyone has hoodies and joggers right, and t-shirts. Right. It's like, that's the most oversaturated market. Yeah. And what I always said was like, when a buyer tells me, no, that just means I need to ask them in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't give up. Like if a buyer comes, comes back and says, you know, sorry, we have that category covered. I'll be like, oh, do you, can you let me know what brands, like, does anybody have this fabric? Is anyone making their fabrication in America? Does anybody have sustainability initiatives? You know, and then I'll always offer it. Well, let me at least send you a set. That's always, and then they get it and they wear it and they're like, oh man, this is insane. You're right. This is so comfortable. So I think it's just constantly backing it up. You also need to know when to stop. You know, you will get those buyers that'll, they'll be like, I said, no. And you're like, no worries. Please let me know if anything changes. And sometimes they do. I've had buyers reach out two years later and they're like, Hey man, I'm ready now. Oh, wow. Got it. Yeah. And and then also I've had clients that it was amazing. And then it's, you know, it dried up the well dried up and you know, their client had what they needed and they no longer needed to carry us. It does ebb and flow. You're not going to always have the same thing, let's say all the time, mm-hmm. but it's just about being strategic and like, you have to be a salesperson Yeah. and accept that like, you might get a no, but you have, that's why you cast such a wide net and you right. go to so many places because, you know, an offer kind of, I'll do consignment, I'll do a pop-up shop, like trying to find different things and build a community around it. Then, then when you go back to the stores and you're like, look, look at all the press we're in, look at the community we've mm-hmm. built, look at all this. They can't say no to you. Now that you've had a few years under your belt, what would you say is just the best advice you could give anyone starting business or just in their first couple of years? Like what are some maybe some advice you received in the early years of starting out software that you realize may not be shared enough so that, you know, people could really get a grip on the reality of entrepreneurship. (laughs) I think the number, I mean, honestly, I think the number one thing is like, you need to have a good therapist and a support system because it's Mm. going to be a very, very mentally taxing endeavor that you're about to take. I cry all the time. I constantly have breakdowns. I'll call my mom all the time. I'm like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like there are days where like, you won't have a sale and you're like, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think there's so much Instagram is over glamorized that, Oh, being a founder and an entrepreneur, it's so much fun. And And it's like, yeah, those are a lot of those are exceptions to the rule. Like you'll see a company and you're like, how did they do that? It's like a lot of it's luck, right place, right time, right community, Right. right network. So I think for anyone starting a business like network in the sense where I don't force it, I don't force networking. I don't go to networking events. Like I just harness relationships. So like when I meet people, you never know when you're going to have to tap into that. Always keep it on a good note. Try to get as many contacts as you can be bold. Like you have to, you have to put your ego aside and learn that you're going to eat shit. You're going to have to acclimate to a completely new lifestyle, Mm. but that's what it is. And that's why I think a lot of it is such a misconception of like, Oh, you get to do whatever you want and you just have such a free life. And it's like, yeah, but that comes with a price that comes with the price of, you know, well, yeah, but then I also means I don't get my health insurance and I don't get my paycheck and I don't get all those benefits and I don't get to go to Europe this summer. And I don't get to do all that because I have to come and run my business and your relationships will take an impact. 
your, your friendships. And so I think that's the number one thing is like, be really solid in what you want. Have a proof of concept. If you're going to start a brand or you're going to start a company, do something that's different. Do not do the mm-hmm. same thing everybody else is doing. It's called insanity, doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Yeah. And just also being as realistic as possible with yourself that you're going to have to crawl before you walk. And it's not going to be where you launch a website and then all of a sudden you're doing half a million dollars in a month. Like it's just never going right. to happen. Right. And if it does, you know what? You tell me then what you're doing. Right. But I just think that's the the biggest misconception I wish people had told me in the beginning was that your mental health was going to take such a toll and it was really going to send you on a roller coaster. And I, I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Ooh, that is such good advice. Cause yeah, I mean, I'm on my own entrepreneurial journey as well. And you know, like the, it, it's lonelier than people can really imagine. And I think yeah. that I definitely hear a lot of people always say, wow, it must be so nice. Like you get to create your own schedule. You get to do all these things at different times, but yes, I'm also like probably at Soho house working on a Sunday, yeah. to be honest. Like I really was like yeah. this past Sunday, I was at Ludlow and I'm just like, I love how quiet it was. Cause I'm like, no one's here, but like, you'll, you'll look back years later, just being like, yep. Like that's what you kind of have to do. And yeah, maybe yeah. like I might be not working on a Monday necessarily, but like, it's probably because the weekends are easier and you know, you just have to be willing to do that. And I think most of the time people go, I love the weekends. Like I love Friday. Like, I love having yeah. those days. And sometimes it's kind of fun to, be grinding while people are like out having fun. Cause you can like refocus more. It's a weird, weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you don't want to give up your conveniences, do not start a business. Like yeah. you see it all the time, like girls are like, this is hard. It's like, well, I don't know what you thought this was going to be, <laughs> but like anything worth it. It's the same with relationships when people are like, Oh, if it doesn't, if it's not easy and it doesn't flow, then it do- it's not right. And it's like, yeah. who, who said anything is easy. Who said right. anything in life is easy? It takes right. work. It takes consistency. It takes commitment. It's the same with going to the gym. It's the same with a relationship. It's the same with running a business. You have to self-motivate. I get out of bed. I meditate every morning. I five, four, three, two, one. I get the fuck out and I do my day I because if that. I don't do it, who's going to? <laughs> I love your energy. Wait, this is so great. Speaking of relationships, as I mentioned, I want to dive into it real quick. You know, so are you, are you single dating before I throw out assumptions? I'm dating. So I'm right now, um, last night had a really great date and looks like we're going to proceed where this goes, but I'm definitely very much an active dater. I've been single for three and a half years now from New York now to LA and boy is dating fucked up here. (laughs) I certainly did not attempt to date in LA. I will say that I was very like adamant about not dating in Los Angeles because you know it's a fun place but I just knew I was I was not going to meet someone there that's in alignment but I guess I'm curious to know you certainly have had relationship experience you also have experience with again growing your business focusing on yourself balancing it with like your relationship with your mom and your family and all of that what would you say are some pieces of advice like you've been given or maybe just looking back that you wish you knew at a younger age when it comes to balancing a romantic relationship amongst other types of relationships and I mean the the number one thing is like communication communication is so important and I think I, I see that with a lot of my friends now especially in the dating sphere it's like you know whether they're startup founders or have a career or whatever and it's like, I have my one good friend and he likes this girl, but he just won't tell her. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't understand. Why won't you just communicate with her? And I think there's so much wrapped around ego. Of, mm-hmm. Well, if I fail in this and then I fail in this, it's like, you have to, when you're dating and you're starting a business and you're doing all that, you can't identify with any of them because if one goes, then you feel like everything goes. Mm-hmm. So when I started the business, I had a, a very serious relationship. And when we broke up like a, about a year in, 
I thought that was it. I was like, oh, that's it. I, I identified so heavily with the relationship that I thought my career was going to plummet. On the contrary, mm-hmm. my career doubled the year later. Wow. And I think it's like, what I now have learned is whether it's business or professional or personal or relationships or whatever, it's like, hold your fucking boundaries. Like if you know what you want, if you know how you want to be treated and you know how you want to feel with someone, forget the physical, forget the, oh, he has to be this height and this look and da, 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 like yeah. forget all that. But when you meet somebody that is really great, it's like, be honest, be upfront, be communicative and also share with them like, Hey, I'm a startup. This is what my life is because I've dated guys where we'll be at dinner and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I have to take this and it's an issue or I had to cancel. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I, our production run got fucked and I have to run to the factory. I'm so sorry. I can't make it. And it's, well, I feel like you wasted my time. And it's like, you know what? We're good here. Thank you so much for, for sparing right. me. So what I try to do is be as upfront and honest as possible. I don't play games. I'm very communicative. I'm very like New York about it. And I show up and it's like, I'll put my dick on the table. I'm like, this is what I am. This is what I have to offer you. Do you want it or not? And I don't spill over. I don't cry over spilled milk anymore. It's like, if it doesn't work next, move on, keep going. Like you don't have time because what you start to realize is like my sister always says, you only have enough energy in the day. You're like a battery. So you have to realize how you're going to use all of that in that hundred percent before you get down to zero. So if you're mulling over a dude that's giving you breadcrumbs, that's like ignoring you, that's playing a game, you know, in your gut, we are women. We know in our gut when something is off, Mm -hmm. listen to your gut. And if you see that, you know what, guess what? You ruminating on that and calling your friends and texting the screenshots and doing all that. You know what that's Mm -hmm. taking you away from taking you away from running your business. It's taking you away from pursuing your dream. I also then I'm I'm at school of thought. I don't think the pendulum should swing. I don't think it should go from all or nothing. I don't think right. you'd be, I'm never going to date again because it's avoidance. Yeah. But because we're also relational creatures, we need relationships. You grow yeah. when you're with someone else. You don't grow alone. You yes. can only to a certain extent, then exactly. you reach a ceiling. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, of course, love yourself and all that. But like, there's no amount of self-love in the world that's going to give you the perfect relationship because at the end of the day, you can't control somebody else. So I think if you're trying to balance it all, it's about prioritizing what is really important to you. And like, for me, I will now, I will say, okay, I'm going to work until five every day, whatever time I have to wake up to get my shit done. And I'll give myself three dates a week. And I give myself a limit so that that way I'm not overexerting myself. I'm not overextending. And I make it where I like, I cap off the date to two hours. We get one drink or one like coffee or a quick bite and I'm going home because you know what? I got to be up at six the next morning and I have stuff to do. Yeah. So I think it's just finding what works for you and like also just being communicative and like read the signs, read the room. Like dating, I think has become so much more complicated than it needs to be. If he likes you, you'll know. If not, you'll be confused. (laughs) <laughs> I I totally, totally agree with that one. And it's so funny because like my current relationship who I met earlier this year, it was so interesting because I, when I met him, like I, I just knew he liked me. And that was yeah. exactly what I had told to my friends that literally quote, I, I, I felt like I never had to guess with him and there's other yeah. guys. Yeah. And just like you said, like, you just don't have to guess. <laughs> no, like the guy I'm seeing now, super communicative. Like last night we were yeah. together and I said, you know, so how do you feel? And he's like, I feel great. I'm going to delete the app. I want to just see you. And I was like, love that. Great. Awesome. And like, then left this morning and he's like, all right, cool. I'll see you. Like, I'll see you in a couple, like see you this weekend. It's it just, I'll text you later. And it's like, there's of course anxiety because we're like, oh, you know, it's early days. Dating's always confusing, right. but nonetheless, you also have to remember too, like you were fine before them. You'll be fine after them. Yeah. Right. You might cry. It might hurt. You might, oh damn, I don't want to date anymore. It's exhausting. It's a numbers game, but it's also like, 
are you that bummed? Are you really like, I love when girls are like, I had no idea this was coming. And you're like, <laughs> you had no idea this was coming. Like, right, right. None of the signs on the date gave you foreshadowing of what was right. going to happen. Right. Or the fact that the guy like didn't make plans or wasn't willing to text you or text every 12 hours. What, let me guess, you couldn't figure out that he was avoidant? Like, yeah. So I just think it's like, be more astute. Like you have to open your eyes when it comes to dating these days, because yeah, yeah listen, realistically speaking, dudes are not going to come right out and be like, Hey, I just want to have sex with you. Right. Because it doesn't work. Like that right. doesn't, they're not going to get the results that they want. So they know that exactly. they have to play the game. What you have to do is be better at it. hundred percent. I love your energy. You're so direct. And this is why you run a company. It really <laughs> got to just like get there. And you know what? Like, okay. Did you ever see the show love on the spectrum? No, I haven't. So it's about, it's an, it's an incredible dating show about people with autism on the spectrum that date. And oh, it's, wow. it's, you know, when you're watching it, it's jarring. Cause you'll see them on the date. Like, do you like me? And you're like, what? And then the person's like, no, I don't. Okay. Goodbye. And they'll just get up and leave. I feel like that's how I am in LA where I'm so yeah, yeah, direct yeah. where people are like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you be the change you wish to see. And like, but now it's like, I be being so in that being so in myself and being like, well, Hey, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm now attracting people that really love that. Yeah. And I'm no longer having to pretend or like, Hey, like my friend that won't tell the girl, I said, what's the worst that can happen? She says she doesn't have the same feelings for you. At least, right. you know, exactly. Right. Cause then you'll always wonder like, does she, and then like you extend that for months or weeks or whatever, when you could have just like known that sooner, you, you know, know, within the first week, you know, yeah. you, like you said, when you met your boyfriend, it, you, yeah. you felt he's into me, he's showing me because you don't know until you get it. And then when yeah. you receive somebody like that, you're like, oh, wow, how could I ever have thought those last schmucks that I was dating liked me, you know? And it's just, I think we overcomplicate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, last couple questions. Any general advice for that, I guess you would give to looking back in your early 20s to your younger self? Could be relationship-focused, work-focused, just personal care, whatever that may be, something that you would share to your younger self, let's say when you were, I don't know, 24. Oof. Yeah. Sabrina at <laughs> 24 was a hot mess. It's such I a would say, too, right. It's like it is, it's a weird age. after graduating, but it's like, you're almost mid twenties, but you're like not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. You don't have enough experience in life, right. but you have experience. Exactly. I think if I could say anything, I would just tell the, like the, the younger me, like do the work now, look mm-hmm. at your inner child stuff. Don't let because I feel like what I see a lot of the times, especially in LA, is it's a lot of children in big people clothes. And it's like, you can see their trauma is driving the car. You can see when you get a, like I had a falling out with a friend and the response, and I was like, that sounded like a petulant six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, no, thank you. You're coming from that place. And that's how I operated for years until I started therapy and doing the work and holding myself accountable and the self-awareness mm-hmm. and all of that. And I think that would be my my biggest advice to myself is like, reprogram your inner child, learn to love yourself for who you are. And not because that's going to make your life better, but what it's going to do is it's going to give you a lot less fucks to give. Because then when you meet people, you don't care at that point. There are 7 billion people on the planet. Mm -hmm. There's literally nothing in the world that will satisfy them all. You can't even say pizza. No, because then you get someone that's like, well, I'm gluten-free. Right. Jesus Christ. You can't please them all. So stop trying. Yes. And I think that's what I would also like, don't put your weight, don't put your, it's like my friend with, he's so scared to tell this girl. It's like her opinion of you matters more than your opinion of you. Don't put your validation into somebody else's hands because you're setting yourself up for failure. If you're not welcomed at that table, then get the fuck up and stop sitting there. Move on to a table where it feels like you're welcomed. 
Yes. And I didn't do that up until now. It's probably in the last six months where I've really like honed in on that. And I think for anybody in those twenties that feels just start, just start journaling, start room, start sitting in those thoughts of like, well, why do I feel this? And where am I, where's the disconnect? Right. Because then once you start unraveling that string, it just, mm-hmm. the whole sweater comes undone and then you can remake it in the way that makes sense for you. Yeah. I could not agree more with you on that. I, that's like the biggest practice for me is just self-awareness and learning to understand why I do the things that I do and how I can be better, whether it's like towards certain people or towards myself and how I can rewire it. So I think it's a, it has a big long-term impact. And I personally can say, I think like there's just certain adults that we grow up with, maybe it's family and parents that certainly didn't do that. And for me, that's kind of like a driving factor is like, oh, there's a lot of qualities that I don't want to have. And I think it's because they didn't have the opportunity to rewire their brain, rewire themselves and do the work. And therefore I will do that myself. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, like you said, what's a trigger. It's like a trigger is just a place for you to go. It's a, it's a place for you to explore. Mm -hmm. So when you feel triggered, how many times you hear, you triggered me. And it's like, that's on you, man. That's a you problem. That's not, that has nothing to do with me. I, I just said something that means then you need to go, okay, yeah, I need to rewire this. What is causing that feeling? Why do I feel like I'm not worthy of this? Where that, where's that limiting belief coming from? Then you start to go and you're like, yeah, when I was a kid, my dad used to say this to me all the time. And it, it resonated with me. And now as an adult, that's how I see myself. Yes. When you do that, you then tell your inner child, Hey, you know what? I'm here now. There's an adult here now, and I'm here to be with you. And you come from a place of an adult. You don't come from that wounded kid. Mm-hmm. And you rewire. Love that. Yeah, yeah, love that. Um, okay, second to last question. A book recommendation that you would have that is transformative for your life or you think would just be helpful for women in general? So I would say, I mean, the, the basic one is like The Four Agreements was a great book to read okay. as like an mm-hmm. intro into that kind of, Yes. So, you know, just a bit of like a bit more self-awareness. That was like the first book I read. Then I went into Attached and I would say proceed with caution on that book because a lot of people, it's about your attachment style and the attachment theory of anxious, avoidant, and secure. I think it's important to be able to recognize the characteristics, but God damn it, stop identifying people as it. Stop labeling people. Like I grew up with a narcissistic father. When I hear girls be like, he's a narcissist. I'm like, no, you have no idea what that means. (laughs) Look at it, learn it, look at the characteristics, but stop trying to fucking identify people. And then the newest book that I just got is my friend Kyle wrote a book and it's called speech therapy and every page, it's just a different, it's a little snippet, but it's those, it's, it's one page of his, um, I think it's his Instagram is the captain. Okay. I think so. He is awesome. And he'll just do like a quick, like three sentences and it's enough to where you're like, Whoa, it gets your head. Even that one page of reading. I'm like, damn, I'll then start going in and I'll start journaling of like, wow, what did that do? Or even just sitting there. Um, So I would say those are like the books I think that are good to kind of get you started. Love those. Okay. Those would definitely be featured on our Instagram. Um, Okay. Last question, something I ask every guest on the show, but you, you know, you've definitely had a long trajectory to get to your career now and just obviously the experiences you've had, but in reflecting on all of that, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? I think what fulfills me is it's building a community. It's being around, it's being surrounded by like-minded people. And like, I think like the biggest compliment that I could get from somebody, it's like, like even the guy I've been seeing, he was like, man, I feel so comfortable with you. I feel like I've known you for years. And that is what makes me do what I do every day. 
and what makes me like continue with software. It's not that we, it's not that I'm making a tangible product. Like, mm-hmm. congratulations, you make a hoodie. That's that, that doesn't identify you. What it does is it's like, am I being the change I wish to see? Am I trying to, to, to change the, the social norms and things like that? That's what fulfills me. That's what gets me up every day mm-hmm. is that I can share my story, share my voice with people that may want to hear it, may have may find it interesting and building a community of like-minded people that want to get better and grow. Because if you're growth minded, the sky, the sky's the limit. If you're fixed minded, nobody wants you here. I'm sorry, but it's just, Whoa. you're staying in the same place. <laughs> we are, we have such a similar mindset. I love it. And yeah, it makes sense why we are both doing what we're doing. And, you know, it really does, you know, take this kind of energy and ability to go out after it each day. So thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. This was so great. I'm excited for everyone to hear this. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait. And lastly, where can everyone find you? Share your software, the social media, the website, everything about you. So we can link that in the show notes. Sweet. Yeah. So it's wearsoftware.com. So the play on words, W-E-A-R, soft, W-E-A-R. And then Sabrina.Zohar is my Insta. And then um, softwares is Wear Software. Awesome. Well, I will link that in the show notes and excited for everyone to hear this. Yeah. Thank you. And if anybody ever wants to message or talk, the door is always open. If you message any platform, it's going to come to me. So I'm happy to be there for anybody that's going on the journey. That was all for today's episode with Sabrina Zohar, founder of Software. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it on your Instagram story, whether it's from Spotify or a screenshot from Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. I know some of you guys also listen on Google and other platforms, but if you did enjoy it, please be sure to share, share this with a friend, share this with someone that could find this information helpful and useful. And as always, be sure to tag us at what fulfills you. I love when I see you guys sharing the podcast and chatting with you guys in the DMs to see what you liked about it, what you want more of, what you want less of. I'm very open to feedback and I genuinely love connecting with you all. And by the way, the fall season right now is just the perfect time to get cozy, wine nights, picnics outside while the weather is still good, and bringing the card game with you. And so if you've been eyeing it for a while, for a limited time, you can get 25% off, yes, 25% off your entire purchase with a personal code, all you need to do is leave a review on Spotify or Apple and just take a screenshot, send it over DMs on at what fulfills you Instagram. And then from there, I'll give you a personal promo code. So again, all you need to do is rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple, screenshot it with proof, and then send that over to at what fulfills you Instagram so we can send you a personal promo code. Thanks again for tuning in today. I would chat with you all in the next episode.